radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Who do you trust? How do you know who to trust when it comes to investing, particularly? Who do you trust for financial advice? It used to be we trusted the sage old stockbroker in the community or the guy who was the insurance agent. Uh, uh, that was really pretty much it. Or the banker, the banker. The, the, the sage banker behind his big desk in his giant chair, taking homes from poor people and kicking them out on the street in places like Potterville. You know, you used to trust those people, but you don't anymore. No, who do you trust, Tom? Well, sadly, I, I, the people I see, people that get the attention today and they're, they're trusting it. It's the prognosticators, the promoters, and the prevaricators. I hate Ooh, it. it. I mean, it's... Ooh, a little alliteration you from like that? Tommy I, Boy. I stayed up all night working on that. I'm glad you recognize it. The prognosticators get a lot of attention because we yep. all want to find somebody who can tell us what the future is going to be. And nobody really knows what the future is going to be starting in about 10 minutes from now. Uh, you know, people like Jim Cramer, right? Mm -hmm. All over TV, podcasts, etc. Do this because this is what's going to happen. He's sort of a hybrid, though. Jim has gone from just being a commentator or a prognosticator, uh, sometimes maybe even a prevaricator, to being more of a celeb. You know, he's got that celebrity cachet now, like, like you know, the sports guys back in SPACs. Back in uh -oh. SPACs. We're getting to that in a minute. I mean, the thing is about any of them, remember, their job is to entertain to keep you coming back. You don't do that. You didn't have a job anymore. I guess he'd go back and run, run his hedge fund that made him so much money that he claims that nobody can actually get the track record of. But uh, so... I'm not a fan of pro prognostication, prognosticators, but I'm less a fan of promoters. I mean, think about young people's images of investing today. Many of them come from Robinhood, which is built as an entertainment vehicle as much as it is an investing vehicle, right? Because it has fancy colors, all kinds of fireworks to get you going. Oh, and they, 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 they give stuff away. You win prizes. Yeah. It's a game I mean, show. It's a video game. It is. That's the right word for it. And there's a recent piece in Bloomberg, if you really want to get into this, that talks about how many young people now view entertainment and investing as intertwined. This is what it should be. It should be entertaining. And we know the Nobel Prize winners are going to tell you, no, it should be about as exciting as watching paint dry or grass grow. Oh, nice Markowitz quote. You like that? I stole that. Yeah. Well. But yeah, well, wait, I, wait. Yeah, what about yeah. us, though? Aren't we well, entertaining I know. and informative? Uh, we're an exception. Okay. We're an exception. <laughs> we're, 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 we're entertaining, but we're trying to give you the straight skinny all the time. And that brings me to prevarication. The liars, the people that are out there telling you something that they probably know isn't true because they're doing it out of self-interest. Yeah, we see this all the time. And- I'm going to allow you to say his name, Don. Oh, you're talking about <laughs> Chamath Palahapatiya. Okay, because I know he'll badmouth you on Twitter if you. He get does. It he wrong. gets very unhappy if you mispronounce his name on Twitter. Okay, we'll Chamath just call him Palahapatiya. Well, I can remember you know, Chamath. If you, if you take a minute 
I think that, you know, I, you, I, okay, folks from the subcontinent, names in Hindi for us crazy Westerners are very, very difficult. You have to take some time and bear, in, bear with us because we want to pronounce them properly, but sometimes you have to keep telling us so we can get it. It doesn't roll off the tongue uh, with our, our Western way of pronouncing things. So we apologize if we mispronounced it, but I'm pretty sure it's Chamath Palahapatiya. Who is this guy, by the way, Tom? Well, he's running around hyping, promoting. He is a promoter. And guess what he's been promoting a lot of? SPACs. And oh, so he he's is, a former course, painter. Well, yeah, he can spray it on, wipe it spray off. Spray it on the SPAC. Uh, oh, yeah, it, 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 here's the thing. I mean, he, he was recently on CNBC and he said, this is not some get rich quick scheme, at least for me. Mm. Now, that's, of course, a lie because the SPAC promoter gets 20% of the stock for themselves. 20%. And he's turned around, he's, he's promoted many stocks. He promoted a health care stock that turned out to be fairly fraudulent in terms of their promises and what they actually did. Um, so wait, by the way, so he's gonna, he'll be okay with the fact that we, we pronounced his name properly, but we, <laughs> but, call, but we, him, yeah. we call him yeah. a liar. Yeah, that's, you're right. There may be a different, I mean. We didn't call so you the, a liar. We called you a fibber. Chamath. Clover, Clover, Clover Health Investments is one that he had been promoting. Said this is this is a great deal. It's going to work really well. And of course, if you bought the stock when he told you, it's down about thirty percent since then. Um, and by the way, SPAC still amazed me. Six hundred of them have gone public this year to the tune of one hundred and eighty-six billion with a B billion dollars. I mean, that is. Literally insane. That's just here's a, well, here's a check. Tom, go ahead and here's go the crazy. thing: we we talk about how dangerous initial public offerings are, and an initial public offering is an existing company that very publicly and with massive disclosure takes their stock out to the general public to get them to price it, tell them what it's worth, and to buy the shares to capitalize the company to help recover some of the money they spent building the company. That is highly risky. A SPAC then has to be multiple degrees of greater risk because when you buy a SPAC, you don't even know what you're getting. Yeah, you're simply At least investing a, a new SPAC. Yeah, with the hope that they'll find a good company to take over and operate. But the reason I don't like this individual, Champtha, did I have that right? No, Chamath. Chamath. See, now I'm going to get bad mouthed on you. Twitter. Are you're going to bad mouth the uh, two things. I don't like the hype, the promotion, the excitement, because that's what he's selling is mm -hmm. the excitement, because I can almost guarantee you he will get his money. He's already gotten his money. He's got enough to be part owner of the Golden State Warriors. And you will not, because you will, if you jump into these things, be one of those people holding the bag at the end, guaranteed. When I, and I personally think there's a lot of hurt ahead with SPACs or other highly speculative investments. And so I don't like the, I, so I, I'm really down on prognosticators, promoters, and prevaricators. But let me tell you who I do think you should listen to. Who? You've who? heard this you before. I think, yeah. I think the people you can truly trust are disinterested academics, uh, people that are in the business of studying markets over very long periods of time. 
They write papers that get published, reviewed by their peers. That's their whole interest in investing. It's not selling you a SPAC. It's not telling you what the future is going to look like. There's no promotion involved at all. So therefore, I would say what you should believe is research, not rumor. Simple. A little little tiny. And you gave me the rumor to give full credit. I had the research. Uh, Let me tell you the quick story of of Clover Health, by the way, because it is a fascinating story. They brought that SPAC public. It was in uh, uh, June, June. just a a little bit less than a year ago. June of 2020, they brought it public at $10 a share. Then they went out and bought Clover Health. Uh, By December, the end of the year, on actually the last trading day of the year, December 31st, the stock was valued at $16.77 a share. Now, the stock is at just under $7 a share. That's a loss from its high of more than half of its value. And that, that is the definition of extraordinary risk. So anybody who tells you that SPACs aren't not just risky, ridiculously risky, dangerously risky, frighteningly risky, destroying your life kind of risky, well, they are a bit of a prevaricator. Chama. I think that's fair. And I think if you look at the numbers <clears throat> around Clover, what, what they said they were going to do and what they've actually been able to do, the nuts and bolts, what they've really sold, you'll find, I, I, I hate to say it, but I think the word fraud is in there. I think it's yeah. fraudulent. What, what they've said they would do and what they ended up doing are so and far they- separated. They still have a market cap of almost $3 billion. <laughs> people, people have been giving up their money a little too easily lately. That always worries me. Like 20% more for a house. We mentioned that yesterday. Uh, let's see. We've got questions. I'm with you. You, you have questions. We have answers. You may not Hopefully. like our answers, no. but we're no. going to give them anyway because that's what we do. We don't prognosticate. We try to avoid prevarication, if at all possible, and uh, we want you to get the truth. And let's see. We've got one here about fees, Tom. Yes. Fees. If I manage my own portfolio, I'm subject to the fees charged by each of the fund's ETFs in my account. If I hire a fiduciary 1% AUM fee-only advisor, am I subject to their 1% fee plus the fund fees or just the 1% fee. Listen to your podcasts all the time. Thanks for for providing education and entertainment. The answer is it is one plus the cost of the securities that that advisor puts you in. Now that said, the fees uh, for funds, exchange traded funds, mutual funds have come down, continue to come down. Gosh, And I think we have an exchange traded fund portfolio where the I think the expense Isn't it ratio one, is like 0.11 or something. It's or 0.11. 0.15. It's very, very, very inexpensive. So it's worth paying attention to. I mean, the thing about hiring an advisor is it shouldn't just be about, will I make more money? Because if for the most part, you will. I can almost guarantee that because you're probably not properly invested. But it should be more about all of the doing all the work, building portfolios, rebalancing portfolios, you know, tax loss harvesting 
keeping you on the rails when the rails appear to be shaking <laughs> loose, which we know is a big deal because we've seen it many, many times. And having a relationship with someone that you, and I'll use the T word, can trust when you can't always deal with this on your own as we get older. I have an advisor and I trust that person that they will take care of me. And then when I'm gone, my family. Well, and an interesting, uh, if you have an iron will, a strong stomach, a good plan, and you're willing to do the work, you can manage your own portfolio and save that money. Sure. We see people do it all the time. We also see a lot of people who think they can and then fail a lot. And the most interesting fact of all is for those people, Vanguard has done multiple times a very detailed study, very detailed. And if, don't take my word for it. Go look it up. We have a copy of it at TalkingRealMoney.com, but you can go look it up at Vanguard's site. It's called it the Advisor Alpha Study. And in that, they found that having a fiduciary advisor can increase your return by about 3% per year just by getting you to do what needs to be done. This is not about having any special insight into the future. Not at all about that. It's merely because a good fiduciary non-sales advisor is going to show you the path and keep you on the path. So that's a reason for them. Planning, portfolio, and then pathway. I agree. I think that makes sense. Wow. Wow. More alliteration, John. I know I'm on it today, What's man. What's up with you today? I have a comment. I'm just going to read this yes. comment real quickly. This is from a comment to Tuesday's podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, is this, think this Tuesday or whatever Tuesday? Uh, the, the Tuesday, the what What day is it today? Today's the, the 18th? Uh, 20th. No, today's the tw tw 21st. It was on Tuesday the 18th. Yes, Tuesday the 18th. We had a caller. At the end of the podcast. Oh, no, not that caller. I know who uh, this Allie? is. Allie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you talked over her, not once, but twice. Yeah, I did. <clears throat> and she's still mad. The comment is, geez, gracious way to handle Allie. Shouldn't everyone else be responsible for me so I won't be denied my rightful benefits? Oh, Ugh. <laughs> okay, so here was the, here's the setup on that. You can go back and listen to it if you didn't. But a woman called and asked, and no, she made a statement. She said, I just want to say to everyone who is going to work somewhere, if you sign up for the retirement plan, make sure you're signed up because I've done that several times. And then I've left the companies and found out that I didn't make a contribution to the 401k plan. And then she asked us, well, can I go back to the company and get the money? Uh, no, you can't actually do that if you didn't sign up. She the never plan. gave them the money. And part, yeah, part two is you have this thing called a pay stub. And I didn't say this on the air because uh, I don't like to be abrupt with people. She addressed that. She, what? How she did she address she said, that? But all that stuff's online. I don't actually yeah, get well, a pay stub anymore. It's all online. I think at the end of the year, they give you a thing called the W-2 as well. It kind of looks at looks. Oh, anyway, yeah, that would have a The deduction. point of the matter was, yeah, so there is some aspect of personal responsibility here that comes into play. So we were... I thought kind to her. You cut her off twice because, folks, it's a radio show. We're not going to let you go on for 15 well, she was, minutes about whatever, and we were running out rambling. of time. She was rambling, and that's our responsibility to you, the listener. 
is to keep it interesting, yeah. keep it moving along. And twice she said, hey, I got to be allowed to finish my statement. I thought, well, the, you can go have your own show and finish your statement. This is yeah. our show. Sorry about that. but <laughs> yeah. okay. I got one last question for you. Oh, yeah, go this ahead. This one is so short. This mm. one's so short. The answer is no. How and do we'll I know when week. it's? No, you. it's actually oh. a how question, which okay. requires more than one word. <laughs> okay. How Maybe. do I know when it's time to change financial advisors? True question from Mark. Wow. That Okay. First of all, we'll go back. I mean, I would, if you don't have a 100% the only fiduciary advisor. Uh, but how do I reason. know that? How do I know if I do or don't? My advisor says he's a fiduciary. Well, that's something you can look up online to see. No, it's hard to look up. Uh, 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 uh. It's easy you for Don to look AD, up. You can read their ADV, oh, which they're required I, to give do you. you think any, do you think anybody reads an ADV All part right, two? You answer the question then, bro. No, it's hard. That The answer is it is really, really hard to do. Because to know if they're 100%. Is, yeah. You got it. it. There is so much prevarication. Yeah, thank you. That goes on in the financial services industry. Well, that's true. There are advisors. There are advisors that I know of here in the Orlando area, out in the Seattle area. I could give you their names who claim on the radio and on television to be fiduciary advisors. And I know that both of these firms sell equity indexed annuities. I know they do it. And yet they claim with a straight face that they are fiduciaries. They're not. So here's the key. Tom's right. You got to know. Go to talkingrealmoney.com slash help. We have a lot of advisors listed there. And you can determine whether they are or not. We tell you whether they are or not. If they're not there, get our advisor interview form and make your advisor fill it out. And if they refuse, the odds are good. Not certain, but the odds are really good that you're not dealing with a 100% fiduciary advisor. And I guess the other part of that would be if they sold you any product, commissionable mm-hmm. mutual fund, a equity index annuity, you mentioned anything with a commission attached to it, they are not a 100% fee-only fiduciary. I would not pay anybody more than 1% a year. I would not use an advisor that uses mutual funds that charge, I don't know, more than half a percent. It should be far less than that, that are less. passive or index in, or in style. Uh, because they're simply buying active management that we know over time underproduces. Um, And then, I mean, the final piece is you've got to find somebody that not only you trust, but that will be, have a relationship with you that that you can believe in for the long haul. You got to have a, it's got to, it's got to be like your doctor in many ways. Somebody that you know, that you, you believe what they're saying and you know, they're going to give you the straight story. Most stockbrokers will not give you the straight story because their job is just to keep your business. If you if, yep. they, if you they put you in a crummy fund and you call them up and say, let's get out of that fund, they'll say, oh, you're right. That's a stinker. We'll move you over to this one. That's what you want to hear. And there are a couple of questions you can ask very easily that will help lead you in this direction. One of them is, do you receive commissions on any product you sell? The other is how much? And the third is, are you 
always required by law to act in my best interests. And then finally, will you sign a document to that effect? I'd like the, I'd like the, I'd forgotten all about the document. We haven't used that much. So that's great. Idea. A shares, B shares and C shares, by the way, if there is a C, a B or an A designation at the end of your mutual funds name, go look it up on your statement. Those are commission products. Every one of them, every one of them. It's just that the B shares and the C shares are sales loads in drag as Christopher Cox, former director of the SEC, called them many, many, many years ago. Many, like 20 years ago. Liar loads, they're called. Liar loads. We used to call them that in the business. We used to, we used to literally, when I was a broker, we were told to say to clients that, yeah, we have these new no load funds. Did you see that middle word there that I said? Front load funds? Yeah. They were no load funds. (laughs) <laughs> kind of sounds like no load. Kind of. Just don't put it in writing, we were told. Uh, thanks for being a part of the show. If you have questions, call them in at 855-935-TALK or send them in to TalkingRealMoney.com or speak them in at TalkingRealMoney.com. We are so glad you're listening. <coughs> oh, look, a cough snuck in before the end of the podcast. Dang it. Lingering. Uh, we're glad you listen. We're glad you watch. We appreciate you being there. Tell a friend or two or a thousand. Write a review if you love what you hear. Don't write a review if you hate us. Like somebody who wrote a review for Paul's podcast. Oh, by the Uh-oh. way, I didn't mention this to you. Somebody wrote a negative review for our podcast with Paul. That we were a bunch of idiots who didn't know anything about cryptocurrency. Oh. We'll do that in another show. Yeah. You think we don't know anything about cryptocurrency? Uh-huh. We know a lot about cryptocurrency. We just don't like cryptocurrency. And we think those of you who do either don't know a lot about cryptocurrency or you're just delusional. There you go. Thanks for being there. I'm Don. That's Tom. We hang around. We talk real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.